Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because of the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. May the Lord's blessing to the reading of his word is Paul's for prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning I pray that you'd help me to think clearly. May your word find lodging in all of our hearts. If there is a spiritual need, I pray, Lord, that we would respond. We would not procrastinate. We would not put it off till next year. We do it today. So, Lord, please help me to say nothing amiss. Forgive me of sin. Empty me of self, please, and use me today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray that this text would find lodging in all of our hearts, that we would redeem the time this coming year. As long as you allow us to live in the world as it is now, may we be serving you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, Walk in Wisdom in 2024, if you want to give a title to this morning, Walk in Wisdom in 2024, there was, on a, there was a road trip, there was a, an elderly couple on a road trip, and they stopped at a roadside restaurant for a wonderful lunch, and as they're finishing the meal, they, they left the restaurant and they resumed their trip, but when leaving, the elderly woman had left her, unknowingly, left her glasses on the table, and she didn't miss them until they were some ways down the road, and she felt, oh, I've left my glasses, I'd gone about 20 minutes, and much to add to the aggravation, they had to go to quite a drive before they got a turnaround to get going back the other way. Well, the elderly husband became the classic grouchy old man. He fussed and complained and scolded his wife relentlessly during the entire return drive. The more he chided her, the more aggravated he became. He wouldn't let up for one minute. To her relief, he finally got back to the restaurant, and as the woman got out of the car and hurried in to get to her glasses, the old geezer rolled down, rolled down the window, and while you're in there, could you get my credit card and wallet as well? <laughs> We're on a road trip right now. We are. It's called life. Sometimes it's important that we make right turns, and sometimes it's just as important to be nice to the people we're traveling with. That is something we need to continually to work on being nice to those we are traveling with. So we're t- uh, this quality of wisdom, we're to walk circumspectly. We're to walk as wise people. The word knowledge or wise means uh, knowledge of what is true or right coupled with just judgment as to an action. If there is a rattlesnake down there, I'm wise enough not to put my hand by its mouth. Will you please bite me, please? That would be, that would be taking wisdom. I know what we should be done and then do, coupled with the doing. There are three things we are to do here in this text. First of all, there's, we want to see three things. A diligent walk. We are to look carefully. Verse 15, see a present imperative. In the Greek language, Present imperative means something you are to do right now. See, then, that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Circumspectly. Now, to observe, to see means uh, we're, just, we're, going to, we're going to observe those things around us. And circumspectly carries the idea of diligent or accurate or precise. Uh, to, to give attention to the way we walk in this world. It was uh, G. Campbell Morgan who actually had this illustration in his, one of his books. He was at a, a, a garden and had walls around it. And in that culture, they would the last row of the cement wall, they would leave it wet and they would put pieces of glass in the top of the wall so to keep intruders out. So he watched as a cat went on the top of the wall around all the glass pieces till he got the other side and jumped off. That's walking circumspectly. 
You are walking around all the dangers by God's grace. We are, walk, we are walking circumspectly. It's like the tightrope. If you've ever seen someone walk a tightrope, that's what Paul's referring to. He watches every step they make, lest devastation or inaccuracy and footing occur and there be a fall. The same word is, we read it earlier in Sunday school. We find in Matthew 2, 8, search diligently. That's the same word. Be cautious. Uh, Luke says he had a perfect understanding in Luke 1, 3. Second, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2. No, perfectly. That is the idea. We are to walk not simply as like a bull in a china shop, for lack of a better term or a phraseology. We are to walk circumspectly. We must give due diligence to the steps that we take, to the books that we read, to the shows we watch, to the words that we say, to the places we go, to the attitudes, attitudes, attitudes that we have. Maybe that's a, a amphibiologist has attitudes. Attitudes that we have. We're to, to walk carefully. Be sober, be vigilant, because your what adversary as a, the as a roaring lion walk about seeking whom he may devour. We are to be vigilant. Be vigilant. James says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, drawn away. It's to lure from hiding. It's to be diligent in your walk. It's like the hunter who sets a trap to catch an animal. Satan does all he can to lure us away from walking with God. And he's quite, quite clever. He's had a lot more practice than you and I have had at walking the right way. He's had at least, I'm guessing, approximately 6,000 years of practice. So he's pretty good at getting you to, to fall to his snares if, if you do not apply the power of God inside and allow your mind and heart to be controlled by God. It is a mind battle. To catch by bait, it says in James, that to, to everyone is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It's when I go fishing again. I got a new fishing reel for Christmas. Can't wait to use it somewhere down the road. I get, it's really nice. I, I just want to catch fish and go fishing. It's that we try to get the fish to bite my bait. We want something that works. If it doesn't work, I'll give it about five minutes and try something else. Because you know, my mom would always say, now, Tim, you got to sit there. You just can't be pulling your firm in and out. you got to sit there and wait. And I'd sit there and wait. And I guarantee you there wasn't a fish within 100 yards of my line probably. Just, oh, you got to sit there and wait. Well, later on, I learned if someone caught a fish, I would just sort of sidle up to them and throw my right there. And I'd sidle up to that one. Even, it still happens today, by the way. If you go to certain places, they will still get a closer and closer. Oh, where'd you catch that fish on? And they'll start talking, and they'll start, then they'll throw their line out beside you, see if they can catch. It happens even today, even among men. That's the lure. We're drawn away of our own lust. He's a treacherous, dangerous enemy, Christian. And the reason he has power to deceive you is because we have that old sin nature. If you're a child of God, if you have received Christ as your personal Savior, we still have the capacity to sin. We don't ever reach a point of sinless perfection. Just look at the pastor at this church. We know we're never ever going to reach sinless perfection. Look at yourselves. But that doesn't mean we want to sin. We still sin, but we shouldn't want to any longer. And when we sin, we confess our, confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That was written to believers. So we still can sin even though we're on our way to heaven. Now in heaven, we will have that sin nature removed and we will be perfect forever. Won't that be exciting? No more wrong thoughts, wrong actions, etc. But we're drawn away of our own lusts. 
So knowing the deceitfulness of the enemy and the wickedness of our own hearts, we should be walking carefully around those shards of glass on top of the wall, just like the cat, to avoid being damaged by sin in our lives. And the rest of that verse in 15, walk not as fools, but as wise. Wise is sophos in the Greek, means acquired intelligence characterized by the ability to use knowledge for correct behavior. I know I shouldn't put my hand in front of that snake's face because it's going to smell my hand and bite. So my wisdom, and as the wise person, I'm going to step back. Matter of fact, if I have a gun in my hand, it probably might end that snake's life. But if I don't have a gun, I'm going to steer way clear of that snake because I have wisdom to know not to get near that. It says in Proverbs, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. Have you plateaued? And you're learning, I trust not. One of my little phrases I have for the senior sinners, which I don't broadcast very much, I said, stop learning, stop living. Stop. And so I've been teaching computers. I had to have a drawback from that because of my voice issues. But if you stop learning, we're going to stop living in many ways. And so some of you older folks in our congregation, you're an inspiration to me because you you read the Bible daily and you, you read God's Word and you grow and you study. That's the way we all should be. What a blessing it is to know that we do not have to fall into the deception of Satan. We can, we can have victory with Christ. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We are to walk with him. It's sort of, someone has said that the Holy Spirit has and every subtle maneuver of the enemy is painted with the light of heaven. You can see it if you want. And sometimes, have you ever watched a child and, and they get up close to the stove? Don't touch that stove. I'm telling you, don't touch that stove. If you touch that stove, I'm going to spank you, and you better spank him. By the way, okay, I just okay. Now, if you touch it again, I'm going to spank. No, that first time, that's how you train your children. If and if you do this, so well, the first time, they will learn. I've learned that if you squirt a cat in the face with water, that pretty much takes care of something pretty quickly right there. If you, now, I, but I'll have to say, she's been under there doing the same thing again. I can't catch her, but uh, before she, I, yeah, I say so, I talk very nicely to her, of course, and she stops before I get the water bottle. We find, in, and it says in our text in John, 1 John 2, another verse, but ye have an unction or anointing from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. God is truth. But the anointing which you have received in 1 John 2.27 of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it taught you, so shall abide in him. Now, it's not to say we don't grow. We do, because we are to be, we are to be grow in our sanctification. It does mean, though, that we listen to the Holy Spirit. And I like this little phrase. We stop sniffing around the traps Satan has laid for us. If we do that, we'd come out far more often on top of the spiritual battle. Uh, Five-chapter book. Chapter 1, the man was walking down the street, and he fell into a hole. He groped his way in darkness, and after a long time, he made his way out of the hole. Chapter 2. After a long uh, Chapter 2 says, a man was walking down the same street. He pretended not to see the hole, but he fell in, and after a long time, he got out of the hole. Chapter 3. A man is walking down the same street, sees the hole, falls in, and says it wasn't his fault. 
After a long time, he finally gets out. Chapter 4, a man walks down the same street. He sees the hole. He knows it's there. He tries to walk around it, but he falls in. He knows it's his fault, and he quickly gets out of that hole. Chapter 5, the man goes down a different street. A different street. If there's something that's causing you spiritual problems, go down a different street. Just stop it. Or restart something you have stopped, spiritually speaking. We are to walk circumspectly as the wise. A diligent walk to a discerning walk. Verse 16, 516 of Ephesians. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I think I was talking to Sam about evil days. Pretty much evil days started after Adam fell and he fell into sin. That's pretty much the evil days started. They've been evil ever since that point in time. But the days are evil. We are to walk. Per- we can't walk perfectly, but we are to walk spiritually. Redeeming the time means to buy back, uh, buys up to deliver from loss. It was used of purchasing a slave in order to free that slave. We are to redeem the time, and the time there is not so much a clock time as minutes, hours, days, weeks, etc. It's, it's a measured allotment of time. So we are redeeming the time. You and I have a measured allotment of time yet to live here on earth. God is in control of that. It may be many years for some of us, of you. It may be a few years, maybe a few days. We don't know. But we are to redeem the time God has given to us. To deliver the allotted time we have from the world and deliver it from loss. Make good use of every opportunity. I told Sam again this. I said, well, uh, Philip Melanchthon, a reformer, 1400s to about 1550, every time he wasted a minute, he would, he would jot it down. At the end of the day, he would confess every wasted minute to the Lord. I can, can you, and and we, that may be a little bit overkill, but the principle's good. What have you done with your time today? What are you going to do with your time today? Well, I'm going, I'm going where does God fit into that? We should, God should be our first and foremost. How, how does, what you're doing, does it fit into the scheme of a spiritual walk with God? I trust that it does. Do not waste time or energy, money and talent in that which is apart from his will, says Warren Wearsby. Your time is short, your task is great, your master is urgent, and your reward is sure. That is us. If we, if we will follow him. Harry Ironside said, time is given to us to use in view of eternity. We've been given time to, to view. In First Peter, we find this, this verse. And if you call on God the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your soul journey here in fear or reverential fear of God. What is it we are doing with our lives that is pleasing to God? How, is it, how are we serving him? He has determined the, the boundaries of our lives. That is God. He has done that. We will not live one minute longer or one minute less than what he has allotted to us. And I really believe what God has given us to do in a particular day, we have time to do. It's when I overload my schedule to where I can't do what God would have me to do. That's when we get, we get, all, we get so tired and run down, all these different things, because perhaps they're good things, but are they what God wants us to do? Job 14.5. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Job 14, 14. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Psalm 39. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days and what it is that I may know how frail I am. The 90th Psalm. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. 
Are you numbering your days? Well, Pastor, you're getting so negative. We're just starting a new year. This is, this is New Year's Eve tonight. We're going to have a... That's a good time to start thinking about your life. It is. I'm thinking about the calorie calorie thing i got to put on my phone starting tomorrow, my calorie counter thing to get my calorie going. And say under my calorie count, i got to put that on my phone today, get going on that. The ancient Greek depicted this. There was a statue. And, and, and the statue said to the maker, he said, who made these? He said, my name, my name is Opportunity. Why do you have wings on your feet, statue, that I may fly away swiftly? Why hast thou a great lock of hair on your forehead that men may seize me when I come? And why are you bald in the back? That's what, actually what it says. Then when I am gone by, no man can lay hold of me. Your opportunity would be gone. Isn't opportunity swift? Don't you have to seize them? And when they're gone by, I mean, you can't call back tomorrow. What are you, or you did tomorrow, it's, it's, it's in history. William James said, the greatest use of a life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. The greatest use of a life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. We've been given a, a short window of time. James says in 4.14, isn't your life but a what? A vapor. I mean, just, it's, the smokes go up and it's gone. We never see it again. Take time to pray, to worship, to share the gospel, to be holy, to read your Bible, to, to, to honor the Lord every minute of every day. Paul tells us we should salvage the time we have been given because the days are evil. The word actually is the word we get our word pornography from, pornographic. We live in an evil day, but people have lived in evil days and done the right thing. You talk about evil days, look at Noah and his family. My goodness, the entire world perished, but Noah and, and seven others. We're ambassadors for Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.20. We've been given this window to, to, to make a statement for who we are serving. Well, say, Pastor, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to make a statement. Well, you're making a statement one way or the other. It's either good or for ill. But we are ambassadors. We may be a poor ambassador. We may be a, a good ambassador, but we are ambassadors one way or the other. You can't avoid that. We're to share what God has done for us with others. We're to bring glory to His name. A little phrase I have on my board at work, it says, live as you want to be remembered. Live as you want to be remembered. If they were to do your tombstone today, what would they say on it? Tim Wright, Diet Mountain Dew, had a hate-love relationship with cats, and this, that, and the other, and liked to fish. What would they say about yours? There's a poem. I put a little bit, little bit of it in your, uh, in your bulletin today. I'm going to read it. Actually, I love it. It's called The Dash, the poem called The Dash. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted the first came the date of her birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that she spent alive on earth, and now only those who loved her know what that little timeline is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and to be less quick to anger and show more appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we'd never loved before, if we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while, so when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say 
about how you spent your dash. I know that's not a spiritual poem, but the principle is there. How have you spent your life? When you stand before God, oh, I'm going to bypass. No, we're, we're all standing before God, so just to get that, you're not going to bypass that. We're all standing. What, what are you going to say? He's going to say, I gave my son on the cross. He willingly went and died in humiliation and shame to bear your sin on the cross and offer forgiveness. Now, what did you do with that greatest of gifts? That's the question you must answer. We all must answer. And that's going to be the question that will determine your eternity. What did you do with Jesus? Neutral we cannot be. Someday his heart will be asking, what did you do with me? Are you going to ask us, what did you do with Christ? Have you received him? If not, you can get that settled even this day. A diligent walk, a discerning walk, and finally in 17, there's a definite walk. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Paul finally says then, don't be unwise or to be stupid or ignorant. It refers to a person who thinks himself wise when actually he knows nothing. It's the attitude of some who, it's like, man, I, I have arrived. I, I've, I remember when I got out of college, a lot of the people, now of course it wasn't me, but a lot of the young men thought that they were theologians extraordinaire. And, they, and of course it wasn't me. But, but, and they thought, man, I have, the, I have the answers. And I talked to my dad about something I remember I said something about the gap theory and how that between Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2, and he just looked at me and said, hmm, no. You need to put that, you learn, if you learn that at college, you need to go back. I said, well, I just read it in the Bible, so it was commentary somewhere. We have to rely upon God for all things. We, we're just grasping. What I know about the Bible is just, I'm just scratching the surface. But it doesn't mean we give up. It means we continue to read and to grow and to become like Christ. You want to become a, a, a well-versed in some, I don't know, ability? A lot of times you have to read up on all the details. How to, if, you want, if you want to put a piano together, you've got to read up on how, how to put that thing together or memorize, etc. If you want to know how to become like Christ, there's no bypassing God's Word. It's how we learn to become like Him. So often we run here, there, and yawn with our smartphones, our daytimers, our tablets, our iPods, our iPads, our, 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 tab, our Fitbits, all these sketches. We've got to have all these things going on. Take time to be holy, the songwriter says. That's what it takes. If you were to ask me what is my most valuable possession, time. My time. That's just about my most valuable possession. Schedules like type. I had a few days off. I've enjoyed that. Not kept to my regular normal schedule, but it's like schedule. So uh, pretty much this is where we miss a window here. We got, we're going to have to catch up that window somewhere else. We get so busy sometimes. I'm preaching this to myself. We fall into this trap of, of busyness. You want to know why Americans we really struggle with? It's busyness. We're so busy we don't have time for God. We've got sports. We've got entertainment. We've got sports, entertainment. All I'm saying over and over because that's a lot of the time takers. We have to put him first. We should, we should have everything revolving around our church. If it interferes with church, we just don't do it. I know we go on vacation sometimes. I know regular schedule, but the church should be first. That comes first, and then I'm going to trickle everything else from that. That is the starting point. How many Christians today have that as their starting point? Well, if I don't have this, that, well, I'll go, oh, I think I can fit in church because, well, next Sunday I can't, and the next Sunday, no. Church is coming first. 
And then we will put everything else around that. But this is just a building. No, we're, we're God's people meeting together. You have come to worship. Not the president of any country. You have come. We are worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why we are here. That's why we're here. We are to understand what the will of the Lord is. I can tell you what the will of the Lord is. It goes right along with His Word. You're not going to find the will of God that's separate or different from His the Word of God. They're, they're going together. We are to understand. It's like putting the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together. And, and I like putting jigsaw. There's a there's an app. I only got 20 pieces. I love it. 20 pieces in the puzzle. And I get that put together in about one minute, nine seconds, or one minute. I know some of you are being puzzled people. God's taking what the will of the Lord is. That's the idea there, putting all these pieces together. Sometimes we just don't know what God's doing, but we're going to be obedient anyway. We're still going to obey. And you slow down and meditate upon what God has given us to learn. How foolish it is. Sometimes we send our kids to school in an effort to help them learn, but we don't take time to teach them the greatest of things. It's God's Word. It gives us peace. Knowing God, when we, know, we, we trust God's Word and we do what the Bible says, it gives us peace that passes understanding. It tells us how to make our lives count for Christ. I'm telling you, the Christian life, I believe personally now, is harder than the non-Christian life. I believe it is. But there comes with it a peace that God gives you that you cannot get from the world. Mahatma Gandhi, if you read the devotional this week, I've got it right here. I've got it, I have it right here. He said these words. He said uh, about 15 years before he died, Gandhi wrote, I must tell you in all humility that Hinduism, as I know it, entirely satisfies my soul, fills my whole being, and I find a solace in the Hindu scriptures. Just before dying, he also wrote these words. My days are numbered. I'm not likely to live long, perhaps a year, a little more. For the first time in 50 years, I find myself in the slough of despond. All about me is darkness. I'm praying for the light. I, I thought he just, he just said 15 years earlier that he is... I'm telling you, the only thing that satisfies and lasts is the light of the world, Christ. He's the only one. And you can have all these other... You have all these... Pastor, I've got a plan. If it doesn't involve... Christ and the gospel and salvation through Christ alone, it's a bad plan. Pastor, you're so narrow. Yes. Jesus said the gate is narrow and the way is narrow. Few there be that find it. And if you don't know Christ as Savior, you're on that broad way that leads to destruction. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You may be a wonderfully good person. But without Christ, you are lost, lost for eternity. little poem says, Life passes like a flash of lightning, whose blaze barely lasts long enough to see, while the earth and the sky stand still forever. How swiftly changing time flies across man's face. O oh, you who sit over your cup full and do not drink, tell me, for whom are you still waiting? The plan of salvation is clear. Have you trusted? Long ago, when the Eastern Emperor was crowned in Constantinople, the royal mason would set before his majesty a certain number of marble slabs. One he was to choose then and there 
for his tombstone. This is the day of his coronation. The ancients thought it wise for him to remember his funeral at the time of his elevation. We need to have that for all of us. Uh, I'm not trying to be morbid. But this life as it is now is a passing. It is a vapor. It's a moment in time. As sparks fly upward, Job said, you need to be right with God now. Right now. it's, It's the time is now. I can't urge you enough. It's admit that you are a sinner. I have sinned. But the Bible says, for all has sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is what? Death. But the contraction, exactly, the gift of God. Talk about gifts. None can compare. I, I've got, I bought myself a couple of gifts before Christmas even. But they cannot compare to the gift of God. If you have not received him, would you do so today? Let's pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Thank you for listening so attentively today. Before I pray, I want you to examine your life. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. In 2024, what are your goals? Is it to draw ever closer to God? If you're here without Christ and do not know Him as your own personal Savior, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's that believing part. A lot of people say there's a God, maybe head knowledge, but it's that repentance. It involves repentance and faith. It's when you say, I know there's, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe, Lord, you died for me on the cross. You were buried and you rose again. And I want, the, I want you to be my Savior and to forgive me of my sin. That's repentance. And then you ask Him to do those things. So it's A, admit, B, believe, and C, confess. Will you confess this morning if you do not know Christ? And then call. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that your need this morning? Perhaps you've already done that. Perhaps you know Christ as Savior, but you're not walking with Him as you should. Are there some? I'm not saying make a New Year's resolution. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying get right with the Lord and confess and forsake and repent. And not just a New Year's resolution, but a new life resolution. By God's grace, I will leave that behind or I will resume or I will start doing this. Heavenly Father, If you've spoken to hearts this morning, may they respond. May we, in humility, seek your face. May we live for you this year. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.